Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest is Paul Mitchell. I don't think I qualify special anymore. (laughs) Our unspecial guest is Paul Mitchell. Paul's almost like a secret co-host. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for coming. We were just talking, chatting before the the podcast here on the north-south disparity uh, why the numbers don't really tell all the tale in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area, and also the Western Wall, and you mentioned some other things. So, um, and the congressional uh, elections coming up this year. We got a lot going on this year with those, and we got a recall election. We've got three vacant uh, seats, legislative seats, yeah, uh, because of the sexual elections. harassment. Yeah, yeah, in April. So, um, but on North versus South, and on the LA numbers versus the Bay Area numbers, uh, what's your take on it? Well, this has been a long-standing and well-known factor in California politics uh, for as long as I've been involved, and it's really this this shocking disparity, where LA County alone is about twenty percent larger than the entire nine-county Bay Area region. Um, it's twenty percent larger in terms of registered voters. Mm-hmm. However, when you account for the fact that in LA there's such lower turnout they actually end up being a third smaller than the Bay Area in terms of actual voter impact in the election. And essentially what is happening is, is a result of this disparity in turnout between the Bay Area and Los Angeles with much higher turnout in the Bay Area and much lower turnout in Los Angeles. L.A. is essentially gifting the Bay Area, around 600,000 votes every election cycle just by not showing up. And they're happy to do that, right? Well, I guess so. Yeah, they keep doing it. And it's interesting because the root of it, uh, for a lot of people in my position that are analyzing data and looking at some of this disparity, the root of it seems to be somewhat uh, because of an old L.A. County registrar, not the current Dean Logan County registrar, but the prior county registrar who... Is that McCormick? Uh, yeah, Connie McCormick, who... Uh, was really against uh, just an expansion of vote-by-mail. And so decades ago, vote-by-mail used to be something that you had to have an excuse for. Yeah. You know, uh, you're disabled, you're out of the country a lot, you're a student that's, you know, studying out in another state or something like that. And in fact, when I was a student living in D.C., I still had to apply for an absentee ballot every election. Uh-huh. I couldn't or didn't get permanent absentee ballot status. When I, when I first started covering elections, the, the absentee ballot trended Republican. Yeah, and that, that's part of it. I mean, my joke at the time was that the people who get absentee ballots are the, the people who are on yachts for their, you know, or they're out on cruises. It's very old voters. Yeah. It was voters who are very adept at, like, managing this kind of tough paperwork and then proving with some excuse why they need an absentee ballot. And you don't see a lot of young people, people who are moving a lot, um, you know, the more progressive voters doing that 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Fast forward, the state, in order to kind of align all the different counties' policies on what you needed to do to get an absentee ballot, required all counties to allow excuse-free absentee ballots, a permanent absentee vote status for anybody who wants it. And 
at the time, there were some counties like Alameda County that just went to the races. They said, great, we're going to make this really easy. We're going to promote it. We're going to make sure that this works for people and make it a part of our election system. And so you saw, you know, Alameda County, San Mateo, San Francisco, a lot of the Bay Area counties being very aggressive about this. Mm -hmm. Cost savings potentially being a part of it. Um, and uh, and, and these are heavily democratic counties, right? So there's, yeah. a, there's a partisan... There's a partisan piece to this. Democrats assuming... Democrats started to become more likely to be absentee voters where it used to just be, you know, older, wider, yeah. more conservative voters. You're right. Now, in L.A. County, Connie McCormick saw these potential downsides to absentee voting. One was uh, that it makes harder for her to announce who won on election night. And we've seen that in California. Mm -hmm. You know, who actually won an election takes days or weeks in most areas yeah. because of the large number of absentee ballots. An absentee ballot, instead of being somebody who goes to the polling place, signs the little thing, votes, and the vote can be counted that night, the absentee ballot needs to have a signature verification, a visual ID of the, the actual signature matching, and then a process of making sure that person didn't vote somewhere else, and then finally putting it into a basket that can actually start being counted, and then, you know, actually running it. So it's a, it's a lengthier process. The second thing was Connie McCormick had just spent a bunch of money on uh, voting machines. And the attitude was, and this is so like, let's put the bureaucracy first and the people second kind of attitude. It was, well, I've just spent millions of dollars on all this infrastructure, so I'm not going to have it go to waste by having people vote by mail. Now, makes sense. It makes sense. But the problem is that you end up creating this real asymmetric system where in L.A. County you have, you know, maybe 30, 40 percent of the vote being cast by mail. And in the Bay Area you have like two-thirds you know, 70% yeah. of the votes being cast by mail. And it turns out those voters who are becoming adept at voting by mail uh, are turning out in higher numbers. Even if you were to compare, okay, let's look at a, an average 35-year-old Latino living in an apartment in the Bay Area to an average 35-year-old Latino living in an apartment in LA, there was going to be this vote disparity. Um, and the only thing most people could look to was this vote disparity as a function of... Uh, you know, the vote by mail status. So mm -hmm. maybe it's only like 60, 70% to do with this vote by mail uh, phenomenon, but this legacy continues. Now LA County's finally at a place where half the voters are voting by mail um, and it's creeping up. And there's a lot, lot, lot more young people voting by mail because on the online registration system, you, there's this little box. Do you want to receive your voting information by mail? And everybody clicks it. And so we've We've seen a vote by mail, uh, permanent vote by mail status surge. So I'm um, sorry, you said it's about 50% in Southern California now. What is in it LA. in LA? What is it oh, in Northern it's California? 65% or something like that. Okay. So it's it's um, uh, it's still much higher in the Bay Area, and so that is gap is closing. But we still have this permanent effect of one bureaucrat's decision, you know, decades ago. Yeah. And it has suppressed the, the, the voting power in Los Angeles, which by its nature also suppresses the Latino vote in the state quite a bit because well, as a, as a, Latinos as a, are most largely in L.A., like 40 percent of the Latinos are in L.A. If the level of vote by mail goes up, does that mean turnout improves? L.A. County is notorious for having terrible turnout. Yeah. Uh, 
special elections primaries. Well, I guess general is yeah. up there, but the others. You know, it's funny is you would think that, okay, we're going to get more and more people to vote by mail, yeah. and that that's going to have this kind of linear relationship to higher turnout. Of course, we've seen more people voting by mail in L.A., and still, like, an erosion of turnout. I mean, yeah. it's still pretty abysmal in terms of turnout. And we just saw in 2017 special elections with single-digit turnout, even uh-huh. though, you know, five times that or yeah. six times that we're actually getting ballots at home. They just weren't mailing them in. We, we did a story uh, a couple, three years ago on uh, vote-by-mail, only vote-by-mail in several California counties. I think it was Sierra County, Plumas County, Alpine. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't seem to change turnout. At least that's what we were told. But it caused a lot of dissatisfaction among the residents there who like going to their, like me, although I live in an urban area, but they like going to their precinct. They like, you know, being able to do that. And in fact, they didn't like having to drop their a ballot off in a mailbox or even at a collection point or something. Change the dynamic. I don't know how that yeah, affected. I mean, well, what's one thing that's tough about it is if you're going to analyze counties that for the last several elections have been pure vote by mail, you're looking at some really kind of outlier counties like Alpine mm-hmm. County. And I was joking to an L.A. Times reporter who, of course, put it in the paper uh, that if I was living in L.A. County, um, of course I would vote because there's nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I made this quote of like, you know, if I was living in Alpine County, I'd probably vote because there's nothing else to do in Alpine County. You know, I mean, that's probably the... How much hate mail did you get from Alpine County? So there was this other person in that article who was kind of offended and, uh, you know, said, well, you know, we have a lot to do in Alpine County. And, you can ski you know, eight months of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, um, I was uh, doing a redistricting project in Lake Tahoe okay. and uh, with my daughter, and we were, had to drive to Magic Mountain. So I ended up driving through Alpine County and down 395, and I pull over I at that. the Markleyville Market right. and get a soda or something like that, and I walk in the market, and the woman from the LA Times article is there. What? I ran into the other person. I mean, like, that's how small Alpine County is. <laughs> Alpine uh, County has a special place in my heart. I had, yeah. to do, I had to do a feature one time on Little Red Schoolhouses. Yeah, yeah, Were yeah. there any left in California? And it turns out, there are a few, but it turns out one of them is in Alpine County yeah. at uh, Kirkwood. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, wait, Kirkwood is this fancy schmancy ski resort. So what's a one, you know, a Little Red Schoolhouse doing? It turns out it's a ski chalet, and it really is a school. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But it's perfect. That's what podcasts it's are for. Absolutely perfect. And... And the kids there, there were about 30 or 40 kids from K through 12. Yeah. And the room, their rooms were fabulous. There weren't any dividing areas. There were no cubicles. There's books everywhere. There's a wonderful fireplace. There, there's snow outside. Kids are reading. Kids are having fun. You know, it was a slowly declining school population. Yeah. This was 1936, This right? was 1936, not really. But. Yeah. And the kids were going, the older kids were going down the hill uh, to Carson City on the Nevada side to go to school. Oh, really? Yeah, because they, it was funny, it's yeah. really it's a great story. So Al, I love Alpine County. What can I tell you? Yeah. So um, Alpine County, though, is not necessarily like the 1, laboratory 1, of people. California politics, right? <laughs> and um, Well, only new California politics. Okay, Sorry. maybe. <laughs> so... Um, There's uh, a little dig at the uh, separatists. Sure, yeah, yeah. New California. So the... Um, uh, so the catch is a lot of the a lot of the um, vote by mail research that's been done. Uh, there's a researcher in uh, San Diego that did a, a, an analysis of vote by mail, and what he ended up doing, and this might have been where you got what you're talking about. Instead of looking at counties that have traditionally been all vote by mail, what he did is he went and looked at areas of the state where, in, in some elections, they will designate a precinct as like 
oh crap, we didn't find you a polling place, you're now vote by mail, right? Or this area is too remote and spread out, so we're gonna make this a vote by mail precinct. And so in every county, most counties, there will be, there will be precincts that, and sometimes it seems arbitrary, but there will be precincts that have been designated as vote by mail for that election. Mm -hmm. And the analysis said, um, vote by mail actually has a negative impact on turnout because in these counties, in these counties where they had designated certain precincts vote by mail, where those precincts hadn't been vote by mail in prior elections, they were able to look at that same precinct in multiple elections and these elections it was vote by mail and these elections it wasn't. Now the catch is that, uh, and my read on this, is it wasn't that they were vote by mail or not. It was that somebody had just changed the election system. Yeah. And that changing of the election system has a negative impact. Even if you were to make a better election system tomorrow, the fact that people have voted for 20 years in a certain way, and even if it's in a way that's less efficient, making it better is inherently making it you know, a little bit more uncomfortable for a lot of voters. It's making it different. And that change in of itself can have a negative impact on turnout. So that's one of the catches, too, is like, we could say, let's go f speed into this vote-by-mail system. We're talking about 14 counties this year that were authorized to do a countywide vote-by-mail only uh, election. Uh, only two major counties, San Mateo and Sacramento, actually opted to do it. Orange County so chose all, not to. The Sacramento this year is all? This Sacramento this year, you're not going to go to the regular polling place. Okay. Uh, you're Wait, gonna, what? This yeah. is big news. Yeah. So My wife is going to be incensed. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's going to get to go to Thank a vote Thank God center. for this podcast. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought we could. So in Sacramento County and San Mateo, uh, they're going to go to the system vote center model where, um, you know, for 30 days before the election, yeah. well, first off, everybody's going to get mailed a ballot. Mm -hmm. um, 30, when does the ballot arrive, by the way? A month before the election, yeah. Okay. Um, and in that month before the election, there will be a certain amount of vote centers where you can go drop off your ballot. And then in the 10 days before the election, they're going to actually double the number of vote centers, so there's more places to drop off your ballot. And there's some really cool features to this. One is you can live anywhere in Sacramento County and go to any vote center. It's not like you have to go to the one closest to your house. So if you're downtown and the vote center is down the street, mm -hmm. you can actually go there. And even though the – let's say you don't even have your ballot. You can go in and get a ballot on demand. Mm -hmm. And a ballot on demand in the old system, like a provisional ballot they would call it, uh, would not necessarily have your little podunk school board race and your little mm -hmm. weird city council race in your remote part of Sacramento County. And so you wouldn't be able to vote in those elections in the old system. Mm -hmm. In this system, they're going to create a ballot for you that has your precincts, what things you're eligible to vote for, and it's going to be much more Because everyone's very excited about voting for that district judge. They've never yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so, like the commuter vote. I know they talked about this. People who live in the suburbs, work downtown, they could pick up their ballot or drop off their ballot downtown. That's what they're going to do. I it's feel like we should do a whole podcast about this because no one is going to remember this in about a month. <laughs> yeah, we can definitely do a, a conversation about it and um, we can maybe even bring somebody in from the Secretary of State. Is there any sort of inter-county agreement? There is in the Bay Area, I understood, that if they did it. They... Yeah, so there is a weird inter-county agreement with regard to those late ballots that get mailed in. Oh, okay. um, and that was a big problem. The Santa Cruz Registrar, who's brilliant, um, worked with uh, counties around uh, that area because one of the weird things in Santa Cruz is that if you're a voter in Santa Cruz and mail your ballot into the county registrar, there is a whole chunk of Santa Cruz County where those ballots actually go to a subcenter in Santa Clara County and then come back to Santa Cruz County. And so the ballot center, in, the, the not ballot center, the uh, mail center in yeah. Santa Clara County becomes a pass through for ballots from Santa Cruz and so what was happening in old in the old days was the Santa Cruz registrar would actually have to drive 
out to Santa Clara County and try to get the mail houses to release the ballots to them oh. on election day. Have to go over that horrible hump. Yeah, over the freeway. 17, yeah, I know. 17. I hate that. I hate that twisty <laughs> thing. We, yeah, we go down there all the time. I hate that. But um, uh, get those ballots released. So now there are agreements uh, to try to get ballots cross county in that yeah. window after the election when ballots can be returned. But the um, that doesn't slow the count, does it? No. Okay. But you know, to get back to the main point, you know, this disparity in LA because of the mechanics of voting actually has a real impact on our elections. It makes, especially in primaries, it makes our elected officials much more kind of Northern California centric. It makes the Bay Area counties much more important to win than in LA. And it really puts a huge disadvantage for candidates like Antonio Villaraigosa, who's running for governor against somebody who was mayor of San Francisco and has huge name recognition in the Bay Area. And we've seen in um, the polling so far this real geographic split, uh, you know, L.A. versus the Bay Area. And that geographic split, if it stands, Mm -hmm. is a real, you know, handicap for L.A.-based candidates who are trying to win on a statewide ballot. So you're saying Doug Osi has it over, over Travis Allen just based on geographics? <laughs> well, Travis about. Allen is from Orange County, and I don't think his name recognition is that great in L.A. to begin with. Um, but, uh, you know, arguably in a lot of these statewide races, an example that I didn't get to in the article but I think is really important to think about is Dave Jones versus uh, Javier Becerra. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people in Sacramento uh, believe that Javier Becerra is in a great position. I mean, he's in today's Sacramento Bee. He's on the news constantly. He's fighting Trump. If this election is an election about Trump versus the world and Trump versus California, then Becerra's putting himself at the forefront. If this is an election about Latino surging registration and turnout and, you know, this anti-Trump and ICE raids and all that, then, then Becerra's putting himself in a perfect position. The downside is that Becerra's from L.A. where vote is going to be really low. And uh, Dave Jones has a Northern California base. Also, Dave Jones has won statewide repeatedly. Also, uh, where there is this potential like surge in Latino voting because of the number of Latino candidates on the ballot, mm-hmm. there's also a very strong potential that the 65 or so percent of white voters mm-hmm. are going to see a heavily Latino ballot where every race has a front you know, running candidate that's Latino, Asian, or African-American. This is something that's happened in local races. You mentioned the white yeah. backlash. Where, yeah. yeah, it's happened in where I grew up in Glendale, Orange County, San Jose, where as ballots get really, really strong diversity really quick, like in San Jose, when you're looking at the ballots there, it's heavily Latino, heavily Vietnamese. When you have that kind of strong, uh, moving uh, ethnic candidates to the front, and a lot of elected officials, like in Glendale, the Armenian population getting a lot of elected officials, it does have this kind of backlash among white voters, and in primaries, white voters are supreme. They, you know, 65% of the voters will be white, and so when you look at the Becerra-Dave Jones race, in one context, for people who live and breathe politics, you know, it looks like Becerra seems like he's perfectly situated, but when you look at the data and numbers, having not even looked at any of the polling for that race, and I'm not speaking to either the candidates like who'd be a better attorney general, but um, I think it's really short-sighted to discount Dave Jones' chances since he's from Northern California and he uh, has won statewide ballot repeatedly, and you know, um, and that geographic thing could come heavily into play in a race like that. 
Well, we're going to pick this up next time around, uh, which will be next week, I hope. And I want to talk again. We're going to talk more about Congress, this race, uh, top two. wanted to ask you about top two and completely forgot about it. So I'm going to make a note of all the things I want to ask you about. We'll do that next week if you can. Of course. Paul Mitchell, thank you very much. Thank you. Tim Foster, thank you. Thank you. And this is John Howard. We will see you next time around. Thank you very much. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.